Welcome to Crash Chords Autographs. This week, Matt welcomes Dan Colonna, gamer, podcaster, writer, and YouTuber from Brooklyn, New York. The creator of and writer for the website and blog Nerd Pundit, Dan is also behind the YouTube channel Hit Buttons, a source for Let's Plays and gaming vlogs. He can also be found on the Dinosaur Machines Game Club podcast, along with his co-hosts Mark Magro and Dave Grimma, a podcast described as the equivalent of a book club, but mostly focused on independent video games. With Matt, Dan chats about the origins of his website, YouTube channel, and podcast, and how they each compare as evocations in terms of content production and workflow. They also get into gaming and talk about Nintendo's 2017 domination and the return of Mega Man with his 11th game. And so, from more on the games they've been playing to what they look forward to, here's presenting Matt Storm and Dan Colonna. And welcome to another episode of Autographs. I, of course, am Matt, a.k.a. Stormageddon, and my guest this week is the one and only Danit himself, Dan Colonna. <laughs> There's no person in the world who's going to hear this that's going to understand that reference. Understand that joke. No. Yeah. Uh, it's an old joke, listeners. Uh, Dan was obsessed with Blink and probably still is, and yeah. uh, we used to call him Danit because whenever he got a guitar in his hands, he would play the opening riffs to Damn It by Blink. Um, so I know Dan for a long time, almost multiple decades now, which is a little scary to say yeah. out loud. Um, and Dan, of course, is one of the proprietors of Hit Buttons on YouTube and the Dinosaur Machines Game Club podcast, um, both revolving around video gaming, um, something that we came up together playing a lot of. Um, so thank you for joining me on the show. And I'm happy to be here. It's fun to be on a recording show with you. It's kind of like you're Matt, you know. So it's fun, to, <laughs> it's fun to do. And I'm still just Dan. You're like, let's talk about your cool stuff. I'm like, OK, Matt, my friend. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's funny how as I've kind of begun to do because this is now I do three podcasts, I DJ, I do all this stuff. But when I talk to friends of mine who are like in some semblance of the same business as I am, it's kind of weird because it's like we're just friends, but we also happen to be doing all of these different cool things. Yeah, we've turned our love of cool stuff into a hobby we all still love, so it's fun. But anyway, yeah. I'm happy to be here. I Thanks for having me on your podcast. My pleasure. Um, so I wanted to start chatting with um, something that when we first started hanging out, I was actually quite jealous of because you had an established audience for a while, and that's your wonderful website, Nerd Pundit, which is a blogging site that you've had for a long time. Right. Um, um, what inspired you to start Nerd Pundit? Because I kind of always felt like it was not it was not there, and then it was there. So how did it come to be that you wanted to start your own uh, video game and entertainment website? So a bunch of my buddies in college were, were on a website. Actually, I guess my website predates theirs in a sense. Let me take mm -hmm. that back. Um, my friend Vin and I, that's where this started, got into a, a heated debate. You know Vin. And we, yes, we were arguing about GarageBand and video games. I forget what it was. Not GarageBand. Rock Band. And <laughs> then we decided to start a political slash nerd based blog where we could both go on rants on the internet. It was literally political and and and, you know nerdy all at the same time so that was not where the name came from but that was the theme so we had right. an idea and then i was talking to my other friend carlo 
and we brainstormed while we were working on the idea for a long time and then he and I we just came to that and I was like oh my gosh this is ingenious it's a great name and it rolls off your tongue so that's how that all started <laughs> and so what you well I mean you've always been very kind of loud and outspoken about video games on the internet as early as you could be yes. um, I remember you and I getting into huge conversations about gaming um, so it it doesn't surprise me that that you kind of grew that into what it was um was there ever before you started dinosaur machines and um and hit buttons was there ever any desire to do a podcast around nerd pundit there still is there still is yeah uh yeah totally because i'm doing vlogs now on hit buttons and they are nerd pundit style discussions okay and i'm realizing that but I don't want to not do hit buttons, but I think I need to reassess what the vlogs are for hit buttons because it's nerd pundit content. Not that I can silo it. It's still me. Like if you, you could put a sure. name on it, but it's all me. So like whatever. But I, I have been thinking about making a podcast for nerd pundit and I have to see what that would be. But I think I, I think it's I think there's something there. And then I would probably I have a ton of articles in my head to write. Yeah. So that blog is not dead. It's like I've always, right. it's like I'm keeping it alive <laughs> in my heart. Right. But yeah. Well, yeah, I, I know what that's like. I mean, Crash Court started as a blog right. and then became a podcast and then two podcasts. And now the blog side has kind of been in stasis just because I'd rather yap than write. It's easier personally. to do. It's, yeah. it's so much easier. Like if you make an, a mistake talking right now, if it's bad enough, you'll edit it out. But you probably won't care. Nope. And it comes out faster. So it's easier. Yeah. Especially now. Yeah. Well, and also because anybody can record, really. I mean, most phones have the the power to record decent quality stuff these days. I mean, I'm still using high quality gear, but a lot of people can do decent shows with lower quality gear than what I'm using. Um, but uh, let's let's shift gears a little bit and talk about di- the Dinosaur Machines Game Club podcast. Yeah. Sorry, I want to say the full title. No, you have to. It's um, great. <laughs> you have to. It's a great title. So I discovered this kind of by accident. I remember you shared it, and I was like, it was another one of those things where it's like, oh, Dan's doing a thing. I didn't know he was doing yeah. a thing and started listening. Um, so it's you and Dave and Mark. All right. Um, and uh, how did that podcast come to be? Because it sounds like you guys have known each other for a while. So I met Dave at my last job, like a few weeks before they let me go. And uh-huh. we met because he had a Metal Gear Solid background and a Zelda mug. And I Ooh. was like, all right, Dave, we clearly need to be friends. Like, you don't realize this yet, <laughs> but we're probably going to be best friends. And we are. We're, we're currently best friends. I think it'll be like that forever. So that's how I met Dave. Mark is Dave's cousin, so he kind of... It was a package deal. I got lucky. I got two new friends with the price of one. Nice. And then Dave was a like-minded guy. Like, he liked talking about video games. Our whole friendship was based around video games, discussing them until weird hours of the night. Like, I would go to their house and just stay there, fall asleep in their couch because it was the most comfortable thing ever. And, <laughs> it, you know, like, we kind of, like, packed in as much content, I should say, time, not content, as much time as we needed to get up to that level of like long-term friendship in a short amount of time. So that was, it was cool. So that was interesting. And then from there, the name, the name is the weirdest thing. So Dave, when I first met him was going through a phase of everything was something machine. Okay. And that was like his thing. Like, Oh, don't be stupid machine. I'm like, what? And then it started to stick with me. And then, of course, like, Dan, if we ever make something, we have to call it Dinosaur Machines. And I was like, well, what's a dinosaur machine? Is it a robot dinosaur or is it a machine that makes dinosaurs? He was like, exactly. 
I was like, what <laughs> just happened? <laughs> so it stuck. I mean, it's a cool name. We like to be able to call ourselves something weird. And, and that's mm-hmm. kind of, it also informed the branding in a huge way. Sure. So, you know, it kind of fell into place after that. Um, and so the idea to do like a book club, but with video games, I think is really brilliant, you know, and it's interesting for me as a listener, like there's some of the games I have played and those are fun to listen to yeah. in the same way that I imagine people listen to Crash Chords on an album we have reviewed. Mm-hmm. But what's really fun for me is to listen to you guys talk about a game I haven't played because then it makes me want to seek out the game. Like even if there are spoilers, like I'm not as super sensitive as most people are about spoilers these days. Like, um, you know, I try and avoid them. But if it's a game, like knowing the ending won't make me not want to play it if it's good enough right um but so you know did you guys do a kind of game club like this before you started recording or was this created essentially for the recording it was made as a result of so the actual game club podcast sorry hold on a second there it is um the actual game club podcast came from us not playing enough non-triple-a games right so that was like we were like guys we need a reason to not you know play big name games are boring us and so that was how we were like all right well well, let's play only old games and let's talk about them and record it and that was how that happened so we just decided to do like a book club because we would assign ourselves games we'd pick two each and that's Mm -hmm. how that just goes so after we did like a dummy season it's we call it the lost episodes We, we did six episodes that probably won't ever get released because they're just that not good. But they're, you know, they got us to the next six, which may, were pretty sure. good. Or at least we think they are. And then, yeah, so, like, that was how that kind of took form. After, once we knew we wanted to play, like, not popular games, we were, like, off to the races. Sure, so. yeah. Well, that makes sense. I mean, I, you know, I watch a lot of shows on YouTube that do AAA titles, and it's great to see them. But, like, I feel like not enough people cover the indie stuff. Right. And that seems to be doing the most interesting things. So it w- that's what really interested me at first is that I saw you guys were doing a ton of indie titles that I was either interested in or that I, you know, uh, had heard of but knew nothing about. And so I checked it out cool. and it's funny that you talk about the lost season because like often when i'm referring people to the flagship podcast the crash course podcast i say you could probably skip the first 50 episodes or so and <laughs> then listen to the other 280 yeah you know it's like you know we have so many that i don't mind saying that but yeah doing a dummy season is probably the way to go but also when i first started podcasting over five years ago we recorded our first two episodes on an ipad so clearly you know we were kind of doing it however we we could just to do it yeah so that's actually so like you recorded on an ipad the first time we were yeah. recording i i knew we were recording and you're gonna yeah. not be surprised by what i tell you next i did not prepare myself for the first episode <laughs> of course. i was like ready to go emotionally ready to go physically but not ready to go technology wise and you would think that i had a mic leading up to that yeah. moment in my life considering my experience with computers no no, no mic. <laughs> so I had to run out, grab my trusty $100 Kraken headset, which has a wonderful mic. It's a gaming headset, but it's got 7.1 right. Dolby Digital. It's like the coolest thing I've ever bought in a rush. <laughs> and I still use it, but like that day I had a, I was like, guys, I'll be right back. I have to drive to Best Buy at illegal speeds. <laughs> and yeah. 
that's very funny. So. Yeah, it, it it was one of those things that we started the podcast before we had the gear, and then my co-host Steve had a condenser mic, which we used for a while, and then I got gifted from the owner of the Waystation in Brooklyn. He bought a condenser mic for the bar for performance and was like, this isn't really great. Do you want this $200 mic? Although I didn't know how much it cost at the time. I was like, sure. Right. And then I looked it up when I got home. I was like, oh, God, geez. All right, cool. <laughs> one man's trash, um, you know. Right. And then, of course, now for one-on-ones, I use a broadcast mic um, that um, me and my wife got as a wedding present because she's in a band. And so her whole band chipped in and got us a Focusrite uh, box and uh, and a studio mic, which has been great. That's awesome. Yeah. No. Um, I, I, it's funny how sometimes the art leads the tech and the skill a little bit because yeah. you kind of got to just got to do it. Right, like you have to rush into it in a sense because this headset is still my. I'm not using it now. I'm using my Yeti, but if mm-hmm. I am in a pinch, if I have to go record somewhere, like if I'm on vacation, I can easily record with that headset and that mic and that in my laptop and be good. So yeah. like, it's just good to have. Like, it's just good to have that in your pocket. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Totally. Um, so now. Um, Recently, you started doing vlogs and some other stuff, uh, Let's Plays, on your YouTube channel, Hit Buttons. And so is that a natural spinoff of Dinosaur Machines, or is that something that was always separate that just kind of cross-plays? So I like collaborating a lot. Actually, I uh-huh. can argue that I wouldn't be making Hit Buttons if I didn't go making Dinosaur Machines as long as I did. And I wouldn't be doing that as long as I did and am doing if it wasn't for Mark and Dave being there to hold me accountable. Right. But... I got to. I, I started to want to experiment a little bit, and not that they are against any experimenting, but I also don't want to just start being the person who does more than they do because they're, you know, they're doing as much as they can now. They're both fathers, and Mark's a yep. teacher. He's got stuff to do. Not that I don't have a job, but I don't have kids, so they both have kids. So I have more time to experiment with stuff, and I didn't want to wind up being the face of Dinosaur Machines if I start doing more. Right. So I decided to make hit buttons in an attempt to just, you know, do my own thing and still like if if for some reason lightning strikes and that was to become more popular than it is, I would of course like and make sure you look at dinosaur machines cuz that's where I do my great stuff like so that's kind of it's like <laughs> right. just me playing around now that I have all this tech to mess with and the knowledge and how to use it. Like it's just me mm-hmm. trying to do some stuff I've been ha- seeing on YouTube, trying to find my place in it, see if there's something for me that, that's unique. Yeah. So. No, that's a, a nut I have not cracked yet. Like, if you go to my YouTube channel, I have a variety of stuff. I have me lip syncing to stuff. I have Let's Plays. I have um, streams that I did on Twitch. And it's like, I have no idea what I'm doing in that space yet. I'm trying to figure it out. Although it's funny, I'll admit, after your first two vlogs, I saw them and went, Oh, Dan can do this. I mean, then I guess I can because, like, me and Dan are similar and we're both awesome dudes. So I guess I can do this. Like, before that, I had no real desire to do a vlog. But then I watched your loot box one that was only about five minutes long. And I'm like, oh, yeah, these can just be, like, quick little things that I put out every week. And so I'm considering starting to do that, but not just about video games, maybe about media in general. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's one of those things that like, I've tried to figure out where I fit in that space and it's rough because like, I love watching YouTube and I watch a lot of YouTubers and they all, it all seems so different from what I want to do. And yet it's probably really not. I mean, there's, there's a lot to, so it's good that I'm glad that for some, I'm happy I inspired one person to do something that's exciting (laughs) to me. So do something for sure like that's the only advice i can give anyone is like if you're not sure of what to do do something right and um 
that that vlog like style that I'm going for, it's not really a style. Like I can't say I'm doing yeah. like I'm. You know how I talk. You know my mannerisms. That's just me yeah. talking. But right. it really is like if you keep one subject in the back of your head and don't stray from it, then you're off. Then you have an episode. So as long as it's something you can talk about and then throw it over to the audience, like, what do you think at the end of it? Then I think that you could talk about anything on a vlog. I, I think a lot of the vlogs that I like the most on YouTube are the ones that are people doing things that are not related to them making the vlog. So. Yeah. I like watching people make things with their hands. So I'm experimenting with the idea of making a cooking show, like just for fun. It looks like fun. So that would be cool. Yeah. Yeah. Like stuff like that. Like, I think that's the, the mission statement of YouTube is like, whatever you're going to make on YouTube, have fun with it. And that's yeah. what I'm, that's, if I'm going to try to find my place in it, that's where I'm going to start. Like, I'm just going to make sure I keep having fun with it. Well, yeah, I think that also the viewer can tell if you're enjoying what you're doing. Like if you're doing something just to do it and it's rote and repetitive, right. like they'll feel that. Totally. But if you're having fun, even if it's ridiculous, it's why I think some of the most ridiculous and nonsensical YouTubers get so popular is because people can just tell that they're having fun. And so then you can't help but have fun also. Right. That's I mean, that is why Game Grumps is what it is. It's totally, well, yeah. totally natural. They say everything that comes to their mind. They don't really care. They won't be offensive to like anybody in particular, right. and you know they're sometimes they're putting it on because they have to for whatever reason. Maybe they're tired. Maybe they're not in the mood that day. But when they're on, you can tell. Like they just played this yeah. stick figure fighting game, and that you would you would probably hear the same exact stuff come out of that room if there was nothing recording because they're right. just having a great time. And that's yeah. yeah. So. No, yeah, and that's what I always try to keep key with this podcast is like whether I'm in the room with someone or recording over Skype or whatever, like I want it to feel like we're just having a chat because I feel like the conversations are more natural and um, you get more out of it if you are if you create that kind of environment. Yeah, totally. And it's fun for you. Like if you're not having fun, then you shouldn't be doing it anyway. So Right. Yeah. So um, we'll go back to the stuff you're working on in a bit but I, I i'd be remiss if i didn't talk to you about gaming oh yeah now now that i have you on my podcast <laughs> so i uh, as of when we're recording because this will be out about a week after we've recorded it cool. um we just both watched the video game awards yeah. we both live tweeted it which was fun to see you know my stuff in in the feed and like the dinosaur machine stuff in the twitter feed i'd never really live tweeted anything before but i was like i'm home and i'm watching it so why not um we got to see nintendo dominate oh no anything in the video game industry for the first time in a long time they had a good year nothing yeah, nothing no was delayed by the way in nintendo's yes. 2017 yeah um and like coming coming up together i know we were both diehard zelda nerds and nintendo fans in general how does it feel to have a console that kind of is almost wish fulfillment because for for me the switch is everything i wanted in a video game system it's portable it also looks great on a tv it's got an incredible selection of games i finally at the point where i feel like i don't have every game i want and there are things that i want that i can't quite get yet like how does it feel for you as also someone who grew up as a nintendo fan to have something like the switch I'm happy they, they, as a company, figured out what to do with the strides they made with the original Wii. Yeah. And, and then you can tell they were moving in this direction from Wii U with the tablet. Like, they were trying to bring your experience away from the television a little bit. And now that they're bringing that to fruition is great. But I think they're focusing on making games that mainstream gamers can also like, as well as people who've played Nintendo games forever. And you can right. just tell they're finally landing games like Doom on their system. Doom is so gory and so yeah. so metal. And and 
you know, they they were tipping their toes, dipping, sorry, their toes in the sea with this when they had Bayonetta. Like, you've got a voluptuous witch who, like, yeah. takes off her clothes to do a spell. And, I mean, it's more than that. But, like, if you look at it from a base perspective, it's, it's also right. like that. So, that, they tip, you know, they tried that out. It worked. And they're realizing they can appeal to a bigger audience. And I think that's awesome. Yeah. It's just also funny that, like, you see a game such as Metroid Prime... And you think, yeah, of course mature gamers want to play as well as kids. Like, how did you yeah. not put this together? I don't know. It's, I think it's yeah. a Japanese culture thing, too. It's, it's, it, it could be. Because they, um, they, don't, they don't like to try things just to try them yeah. in, with their creations. Sure. No. Yeah. I mean, well, and also, like, I totally got, like, with the Wii generation wanting to keep it more kid-friendly. Like, it made sense. It just was very limiting for them. The fact that now I can get cross-platform games on my Switch and on my PC, with the exception of a few games, it's like, I feel like I don't need any other system. Like, I still play my PS4, but definitely not as much as my Switch, because right. if I can get something on the PS4 or the Switch, I'm going to get it on the Switch so I can take it with me. Yeah, you know? totally. I mean, Zelda on... The toilet is incredible. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I would say more to riding the subway, but sure, yeah, you know. I mean, that's whatever, kind of the whatever, same you, thing. You, you do you. Yeah, no, I know, especially living in New York. Um, but yeah, no, it's the same for me. Like, the first time I played Zelda and, like, was playing it on my way home from work and then just dropped it into the, the, the stand and started playing it at home, I was like, this, this is what, like, real video gaming should be. Yeah. Like, a dedicated... PC game is fine too and like I love my my MMOs and all that stuff but like I've always been a portable gamer like I've had Game Boys as early as I can remember and I'm always going somewhere or doing something and so having something I can take with me that I can then continue because I always had this weird guilt about playing the 3DS at home I think it was because it was my dedicated like commute pastime so you felt like you were using it for the wrong reasons at home or something like that, yeah. Was, or because I was like, well, I've got all these consoles at home. Why am I playing this thing? Like, it was really dumb. There was no logic to it. But with the Switch, that's gone because it's like, oh, this is dedicated to both, you know, at home and on the go. Right. Yeah, um, it's definitely – the only thing I wish it had was a wrist strap. Like, I, I, I'm a right? little terrified to hold it sometimes. <laughs> I mean, I have a good grip on it, but I've been bumped on the train – with my 3ds and i've got a wrist strap that literally just swings from my wrist and i'm like all right good uh, now yeah. i don't have to break down on the subway and start crying perfect <laughs> so. yeah no yeah i feel like if my switch falls out of my hands face down and i pick it up with to a shattered screen i would be mm -hmm. inconsolable yeah so <laughs> so um but uh so speaking of gaming though so what are the games that you're really playing a lot of right now like i know that we're both playing a bit of destiny i saw that you caved and bought the pc version because that's kind of where the folks are these days it was 25 dollars <laughs> that that too it was on sale I, for much i cheaper. bought it only because of that and yeah andrew keeps he's he got it i think because yeah. i like it also because yeah. he wanted it but he got it and we've been talking about playing it for a long time so i was like all right i'm not doing my bro a solid if i don't buy this game so I definitely got it because it was on sale, though. But so there have been a lot of complaints about Destiny and that they're not fulfilling. and that like So for me, as an experience with Destiny, just to put it in perspective, when I played with you back on PS3 after the Taken King came out, like I, I had known nothing about it. I played it at a friend's house, and then I loved it. And after the Taken King, they had fixed a lot of the problems, supposedly. So I thought it was a great game and enjoyed it. Coming to Destiny 2, I was excited to play it on the PC because a lot of my friends play games on the PC. And so a lot of people have been complaining about how it just does, it's not as good as the original, whereas I don't get 
get a sense of that because I'm just excited to play with other people. What do you think there's validity to the complaints about Uh, Destiny 1 to Destiny 2? As somebody who's been, I kind of brag with this next note, but as somebody who's been playing Destiny since the alpha, (laughs) uh, I honestly don't know what the community wants sometimes. (laughs) Yeah, gee, that doesn't sound like video game fans at all. Kind of hilarious. The original complaint was that it was too hard to get stuff. You, you, you know, it was too hard to get the raid gear. You, you couldn't level up unless you did the raid, which which didn't always make sense. That was one complaint, and and then other people would say like that was the Destiny One issue. It was like the progression was all messed up because it was random. So they come up with Destiny Two. They give you solid. Here is your progress every week. Do these things, and you will grow. And then people seem to be cool with it at launch. And then I saw the expansion come out. And now everyone's like, hey, we get stuff too easy now. What is this garbage? <laughs> and, and I don't really, I can't follow it. So I, yeah. I honestly think it's 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 just hard to please everybody in the community. And, and now yeah. that the internet is what it is, everyone's heard. Yeah. So. Are you enjoying Destiny 2? I am. I'm having a great time with it. I, I'm excited to, after this, before I go out. Try to use the Prometheus lens because it's still bugged as of this recording. Uh, so broken. So can, <laughs> can't wait for, to go for, buy it and play so, it broken. So for for fans who do are not playing Destiny Two, the Prometheus lens is essentially a, a tractor beam laser that um, it's like using the Ghostbusters laser essentially um, in PvP. And so on, in PvE against the computer, like it's good. It's not great, but it's good. But against players, it cuts them down. And so now <laughs> the thing in PvP because it's so broken is full teams all using that against each other and if like one person on one of the teams doesn't have it they lose so essentially good. and so like i had played on the receiving end of it last night doing some <laughs> of my pvp on my main on yeah. my titan how did it go and i got cut down like i couldn't get anything done it was awful and so but then i finished i slugged through i got my my i completed my um the thing for pvp mm-hmm. and then i switched to my hunter and some of my guildmates were, were clan mates were PvPing, and they're like, "Oh, do you have the lens on your hunter?" And I'm like, "No." He's like, "Oh, well, you're gonna leave the team and go get it now." And then so I did. I picked it up, and then we all played together as a group on Discord with the lens, mm-hmm. and it was unfair. Like we just mowed people down. I think out of ten games, we lost one That's great. because we were communicating, and mm-hmm. it's like. It's fun, and I would love for this to become a separate game mode, but I also miss using everything else. <laughs> right. It, it'll be <laughs> fixed on Tuesday, for sure. But literally, like, if you try and use any gun, it's to the point where we heard someone using a sidearm, and we're like, oh, there's a sucker. Let's go get him. That's awesome. Like, it's, it's just ridiculous. Yeah, it, it'll get fixed in no time. And that's sort of why I do love Destiny 2, is because they know yeah. this is broken. They still yeah. let Xur sell it. The Zur is yeah. the exotic weapons vendor, so everyone can buy yeah. this crazy gun right now. And they're going to fix it, but they're like, you know what? Have a good time. We'll fix right. it, but have a good time right now. And that's sort of why I kind of maintain loyalty with Bungie, because they, sure. they're really out there to make a good game. Even with Activision, you know, right behind them saying, hey, you, you need to do it this way. Make sure you sell Cheez-Its with experience points in them. <laughs> but, you know, so if yeah. that's all it takes to keep Activision chill then I think Destiny is going to keep being a good game. 
Sure. Well, yeah, I mean, I've learned with Activision where they're not perfect, but bigger companies that they partner with, like Blizzard, who is distributing, uh, helping distribute on PC, Destiny 2, like Blizzard's still in control of all their stuff. EA barely gets to tell them anything. They've changed a little bit, but like for the most part, you know, they're unhindered. And I feel like a company like Bungie, who made one of the most defining first person shooters of all time, uh, they kind of get to throw their weight around a little bit. Um, that said, I think the thing I like most about Destiny is I can slot, even though I'm not a huge fan of PvP, I like the story and doing co-op stuff, but I can slide into the PvP so well because it fits so closely to my favorite bits of Halo yeah. that even though it's not identical, like it's like riding a bike. Like it you just feels don't like forget. Halo. There's still a sticky yeah. grenade if you equip it. You Shotguns yeah. are ridiculous. You know, it's still there. It's just... Yeah. I, I was talking to somebody in in a group we're both in the cartridge blowers about how we need to have more halo style like pvp in general like we can't go into a match and play 6v6 against each other like we can't like form a private room i think that was the case in destiny one for a while i never tried it yeah but i I would like that that would be fun yeah like yeah i mean also with the death more or less the death of couch co-op except for the switch the switch is still keeping it alive Mm -hmm. but like most other consoles kind of shying away from that it's hard also like nothing will ever be more funny to me talking about halo i'm gonna give a shout out to our friends brian and joe um who are also in the cartridge blowers and playing destiny with us when we played halo one the rocket launcher was so slow in Halo 1 in Versus that when we were playing three-player split-screen against each other, mm-hmm. you could sing the entirety of the Doug theme from Nickelodeon. I remember this. Bef- before it hit someone. I remember so you literally, this. So literally me and Brian would be running around and then we'd hear Joe sitting next to us going, and we're like, oh God, where's the rocket coming from? You know, so it's stuff like that that I miss. Like Smash Brothers will always be an in the same room game. Even when they re-release it finally on the Switch and I'll get it and I'll play online. Like that's always a game that's more fun in the room with people because it's just, there's something about the ridiculousness of the game itself that playing in the same room with people makes it way more fun. Yeah, and and that's, why i'm happy where the switch is at like you said it's gonna be great when i finally get the chance to hook up my switch to another switch for the eight player mario kart which oh it's gonna be ridiculous which i think is possible i feel like i said that and then i feel like i've seen it but i think it's possible (laughs) i think so too i don't recall so we'll have to test that at some point yeah um, so, uh, we talked a little bit about online multiplayer gaming. What's your, um, current obsession as far as like single player experience? Like for me, it was Mario Odyssey for a while and now I'm back to Zelda because the new expansion is out. Um, which is a thing I never thought I'd say out loud. Right. Like, expansion for Zelda, which is great. But do you have a, a single player game that you're really into right now? So I'm playing the most Pokemon Ultra Sun right now and then I'm playing mm-hmm. any other single game. Just because I'm never going to put my 3DS down until there's a Switch with a Pokemon and a Switch that's as portable as a 3DS. I'm not going to get rid of my 3DS. That's fair. So uh, that game, for sure. Besides that, I have it in the back of my head that I'm going to finish Undertale soon for the channel and also for me because I've never beaten it. And also Mario Odyssey, finally, because the Zelda stuff was announced. So my first thought was, oh, let's play Zelda. And then I realized I hadn't played any Mario. So those are the three games i'm bouncing between right now 
Yeah, it's it's funny to me with Mario. Like I've been looking forward to Odyssey since I got the Switch. Of course, like Zelda was wonderful, and I played Splatoon and Sonic Mania and all these other games that were great. Right. But like, and then when Mario Odyssey finally came out, I was like, let's see how good it is. And I fell into it probably the same way I fell into Mario sixty four all those years ago. Mm-hmm. Like other Mario games have been good, and I like them, but nothing has kind of been a game where I always want to play and pick up every time I have my Switch in my hands, like Mario Odyssey, because it just, it feels like a return to form for Mario, which which was really cool. It's just so, it, if you've played Mario 64, it is easy to control him. If you haven't, the game gets you right up to speed, and all the stuff you could do with Cappy is ridiculous. It's yeah. such a good, and every environment is so good. I'm in the Woodland yeah. environment right now, and I... Oh, yeah do nothing to keep on the main objective i'm running around like crazy like i know that it's you know probably easy to get a few moons and bounce but i am taking my time with every it's just there's so much to find because it's like the same thing with zelda if you think there's something somewhere it's probably there yeah and that's so exciting best thing about those two games like when i was playing zelda I took so long to do any of the main story because literally I would go in a direction and go, I wonder what's this way. And every time I did that, I found something. Yeah. Whatever it was. I always found a shrine or some, a Korok or whatever. Like the Zelda's, uh, Nintendo's design team is thinking in a way that I think a lot of other games aren't where there are these open world games where you're like doing the same repetitive task over and over again or, you know, you have these kill quests or whatever. Whereas... Like Mario and Zelda are very focused on exploration, which is the most satisfying part of any open world game. Right. They they could have easily started making open world games when they became popular and made the same mistakes as other game developers did along the way. I mean, also the same successes. But they waited until they were confident enough that they were able to make an open world game that they knew was going to blow people away and that they were going to put that much time into. So... It's just fun to watch them finally make these modern style games and also own it. (laughs) Yeah. Although I will admit, Mario looks a little weird in HD. Like when you get really Uh close up on his face, I'm just like... (laughs) You're not supposed to get that close to him. (laughs) I'm just saying there's a lot of detail there. Yeah. Um, His uh, nose bounces, which is his thing. His nose does bounce. (laughs) Um, But but yeah, no, I I think it's fun too as someone who's always been a Nintendo fanboy for as long as I can remember for the games to kind of be doing things and partnering in ways they never had before. Like I bought uh, Mario and Rabbids and I'm not a huge Rabbids fan. I got to check that game out. But I love Mario, of course, and I love, you know, tactical shooters. And it's just fun. And it's clear that Nintendo has a better sense of humor about their stuff because there are jokes in that game that would never be really in a Mario game that they're letting Ubisoft have fun with. Like, you have to rescue Toad and Toadette, I think, in every world you go to. And by, like, the third world, the little robot that's leading you around is, like, frustrated and cursing, (laughs) but there are symbols. And it's like... It's just fun to see them kind of poking fun at their own universe a little bit, too. Yeah. Um, Because it's very slapstick. You know, the rabbits are very slapstick, which is always fun. And it's just, it's really cool to see Nintendo branching out. I mean, look, first of all, can we, as older gamers now, though we don't have to say our actual age, how weird it is that Sega is specifically partnering with Nintendo now, like exclusively. I mean, I was still. Bayonetta is only a Nintendo property on release it comes out for other stuff later but like two was for the wii u first three is now going to be for the switch first and then will come out for other systems it's just so bizarre but so awesome it's great because they were like the console war you know battlers 
And it's awesome to see that in this future, Sega can still live on without a console with Nintendo. And at least, I mean, they're still releasing games for other systems, but you can tell that, like, you know, there's the Mario and Sonic Olympics games. Like, there's clearly yeah. a good relationship between those two companies. And it's just fun to see where the weird stuff they're doing with it. Like when Sonic showed up in Smash Brothers. That kind yeah. of blew me away <laughs> at the oh, time. Yeah. Well, yeah, it was, for me, the big ones were Sonic in in Melee, uh, not in Melee, in the... It Brawl? was in Brawl. Um, Sonic in Brawl, Snake in Brawl, and then Mega Man in the newest ones. Like, I never thought I would get any of those characters in a Smash Brothers. Or the fact that, like, they released DLC for Cloud and Ryu. Like, clearly Nintendo is kind of opening up and realizing, oh, if we work with these other companies, it benefits everybody. Yeah, totally. Yeah, And, and it's great. Like, I, I'm so stoked for the, the Switch release of Smash Brothers because I didn't have a Wii U. Mm -hmm. And, like, all that DLC is going to be included like it was for Mario Kart. And so I'm kind of really excited for that. Or they make a new one and then everyone's going to be confused. Right. Which I would take a new one right. also, honestly, at this point. Um I always wonder which characters will stay from game to game. Like the fact that Snake has stayed in the game all this time. He's still is, in it. I believe so. Uh, yeah, I have to check now. I have yeah. it on the Wii U, but I don't have access to my Wii U. I have it on my 3DS, but it's been a while since I played. But uh, like, or even Pac-Man being in the game, like it's just ridiculous yeah, characters that they've any. partnered up with. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense at all. But it's been fun. Um, what would you say is your biggest gripe with modern gaming besides loot boxes because we did talk about that a little bit but like do you have a really big gripe with gaming that you really wish like they would get their head out of their ass about i would like a few more crossplay uh yes. games i would like the ability to play games that are you know like i mean rocket league is one which is cool but yeah i would have liked it if destiny was crossplay it's kind of a big ask because if PC gamers are playing against console gamers, and PC gamers are using the keyboard and mouse. We'd get demolished. Yeah. So I actually use my PS4 controller on the Destiny PS PC version. By the way, yeah, I use my 360 controller. Yeah, I can't it's play it better a with a controller. controller. Um, yeah. but I would like more crossplay. Yeah, I think that would be huge. I, but at the same time, I don't think I think that would kind of kill some competition in a yeah. sense. Not that it would ruin the competition. It would kind of dumb the competition down. And yeah. then maybe we wouldn't have as many, you know, exclusivity rights on all the systems, which could be good for us. So we'll we'll see if, if that ever happens. Right. Well, I think part of it is like the same reason they're focusing on like the kind of squashed couch co-op is like couch co-op. You don't need multiple copies of the game. Whereas right. if you force people to play online, everyone needs their own copy, which is a bit of a bummer, you know? Yeah. Um, I'm excited about actually a way out because I've heard rumor is you only need one copy of the game for two people to play. You need to have two people to play it also. Yeah. So and so that's really cool. Like I love that idea. I love a game also like that this designer is creating a game that has to be co-op. It yeah. has to. That's like, great. That's really cool because you know like that my wife isn't a huge gamer but playing something like that where we have to work together and play together I think would be a lot of fun. Yeah. A lot of the games actually one game we just played on the podcast called crawl which is the current live episode is i think only couch co-op if i'm not mistaken i don't know if you can play it online if you can fine but it, you can play against bots which is great but we were playing while we were at mark's or was it dave's dave's daughter's birthday party and <laughs> we were playing video games for a little bit and the way it works if you haven't played it is one person 
Actually, well, three of you start, and you have one of you kills each other, and then the first person to die becomes a monster. No, no, the last person to die stays alive, and everybody else becomes a ghost, and the ghosts try to kill the person who's alive. And as you do this, you get levels as both a ghost and a human, and that's great. And then if you get level 10 as a human, you can go fight a boss, which is also controlled by the ghosts. So Interesting. It, it, and if you don't succeed enough times as a human, you are out. And it's it's crazy, but it's only good if you play with friends. Like you can play against right. bots, and that's great. But that's one of the reasons I'm starting to really lean heavily on indie games for my enjoyment. Like games yeah. like Golf Story exist. And yeah, I still haven't gotten that on the Switch. Is it good? It, I don't know yet, but I know that it's okay. getting praise, and I know it's that getting huge praise. Yeah. I know that it looks great, and games yeah. like Stardew Valley exist, which I can speak oh, about. And the, I love Stardew. The Valley. art's incredible. It's completely single player. There's going to be multiplayer eventually, but it's mm-hmm. you know not the focus, and that's why I'm happy about the podcast because I'm playing all these games. Otherwise, yeah. I wouldn't be having my eye on the indie landscape as much. And so it's kind of cool that we've assigned ourselves this homework. Right. Well, and I think the indie the indie realm is kind of just burgeoning with so many things. I mean, I never thought Square Enix would start making indie games, but like I Am Satsuno, which I loved on the Switch, is more or less a JRPG indie right, game. Exactly. And and it's great. And mm-hmm. so the fact that these these bigger companies are getting smaller teams to make smaller games, you know, in the same space at the same price range is pretty neat, you know, and that it doesn't seem to throw off the balance that much. Right. Um, You know, there's been so like, look at Cuphead, which has had so much success this year and I still haven't played it mostly because I throw controllers when I'm frustrated. And so, and I'm pretty sure that's couch co-op too. Yeah, it is. And like that's one of those games where though the art is all hand drawn, the music is all of that same era that it's replicating. Like we would have never gotten a triple A title like that. The right. fact that they were backed by Xbox, but essentially it's an indie game and pretty much handcrafted is amazing. Yeah, that game there is nothing but love poured into every little bit of that game. And I'm, I'm I was at first I was a little salty that it was it's on a Microsoft exclusive deal right now. Yeah, that was a bummer to me as well, yeah. But at the same time, good for them. Like, if somebody turned to me and said, Dan, we're going to put hit buttons on this channel exclusively, and for the first year, you can't put it anywhere else, but guess what? You're with us, and we're pretty awesome. I would probably go for it. Like, it's just... Sure. It would give me... It gave them the boost they needed to make their dream a reality, and that's cool. And yeah. it's cool that Microsoft supported them for that. It also shows the shift, like... Yeah, maybe AAA games aren't focusing on things like couch co-op and single-player experiences because they know that they can get people to buy loot boxes. But at the same time, they know that people buy single-player indie titles and couch co-op indie titles that are fun to play, lowly priced. So it's an interesting balance that I'm not sure where it's going to wind up yet because the, the... overarching goal seems to be to make games that don't end you got anthem coming out yeah you've got battlefront out now you've you know destiny 2 is a thing and i don't i think that's that's where it's going and the irony is that you can play a lot of them alone but you need to have an internet connection so right it's yeah 
Yeah, well, a lot of these games are kind of based on the console sensibilities. And once consoles realized they could do the same thing PCs were doing with, like, MMOs, but do MMOs where you do different things. Because, like, Destiny 2 is essentially an MMO. Right. It's a first-person shooter MMO. Anthem is going to be a third-person shooter MMO, which, like, I love Destiny, but I'm still going to play Anthem because I want my own Iron Man suit. Let's be real. I mean, that like, game is, it looks awesome. It's an EA title, though, right? Oh, uh, yeah, it's an EA title. Yeah, they, they, I mean, they have enough time to look at whatever dumb decisions they were gonna make yeah and try not to make them but but you know it's one of those things where yeah i think i think you're right i think that's where the industry is headed and it's kind of a bummer because i like games that end also i mean but also i like games that end in the way that like zelda or mario do where they're done but there's still so many other things you can do and you can choose to do those things or you could put it down because you finished the story right. like the greatest great conversation i keep having about mario odyssey with other people is like did you beat the game Yes. Define Did you finish beat. it? Yeah. No. Yeah. Like <laughs> it's like I finished the story, but I only have two hundred and seventy-five yeah. moons. Yeah, I I give Andrew a ton of props for this, but at the same time, it breaks my heart because I don't know if he'll ever beat it. But he won't finish Zelda until he gets all of the Korok seeds. Oh. And I no. can see yeah. he's a completionist, and I yeah, love him I get for that. that. And also. There will be nobody, uh, I mean, people have completed it before, but when he does it, he's going to be the happiest person. Oh, yeah. Because he got all that time out of Zelda, out of the yeah. Zelda that he, he specifically has been waiting for to get everything and to put yeah. a cap on it. So they're making it hard to put a cap on games, which I think is fine because they're making yeah. them more fun to play too. The single player well, ones anyway. Well, it's also like recently on Hit Buttons, you talked about achievements and we, we on Funny Games, me and Jeff did a similar episode about achievements and how like me personally during the Xbox generation and gamer score, like I needed that digital EP to be huge. Like yeah. I, I had so much gamer score. I got so many achievements. But now that like the Switch is big and I'm back to playing on PC a lot, like achievements don't seem to mean as much to me anymore because I realized those achievements for a long time were filler for lack of game content. And now I'm getting the content out of the games that I don't feel the need to achievement hunt or something like Mario where each moon is essentially an achievement. Like every time you grab a moon, it hits it hits that thing that you need to go. Oh, yeah. You yeah. Know, and keep they, going. They record the date. They the Nintendo's yep. definitely going to get around uh, giving you an achievement system by giving you in game specific achievements if it's applicable. I yeah. think that's how they're going to approach it, which you know what? That's probably fine. Um, yeah. But people like Mark, we were talking about, the, he, if you look at the channel, the video, this isn't for asking for you to go and give me one more view, but he is <laughs> the, the most recent comment. He left a blog post and it's a very well-worded blog post. I saw, yeah, I saw that. And it's, he is not alone. So there's definitely people, gamers who want it. And I, yeah. I, I want to see where that goes. I, I know... I'm almost reiterating my vlog here, but I, I know it's not going to go away. So I want to see what how it evolves. Yeah, same. No, yeah, that's pretty much the same conclusion we came to. Um, so there's one other thing I wanted to ask you about before we wrap up, because it's big news for both of us, knowing how into this you are as much as I am. Capcom finally announces oh, yeah. a brand new Mega Man, Mega Man 11, uh -huh. and they're re-releasing the X Collection for everything, including right. the Switch, which means obviously I'm getting it on the Switch because duh. Um, how do you feel about a brand new Mega Man? Um, all right. First thought, can't <laughs> wait to play a Mega Man X7. <laughs> I'm going oh to beat the hell out of that game um, because it's terrible. But the second uh, thought, I'm excited for Mega Man 11. I'm excited to have it. I think this is going to be one of the first games of its design, like, I mean, that artistically, 
that people will like. I hope. I I only saw some screenshots, but I have a sense that, like, it looks like those non-2D, 2D games, and people scoff at that. But I think it can be done well, and if we're going to see it happen, now is when Capcom can show us. Yeah, totally. Well, yeah, and, like, the only thing I hope is, like, when I was so stoked for Mega Man 9 and 10 on the Xbox arcade, and then they were so hard like Mega Man's supposed to be hard but like they were so unforgiving like I hope 11 has levels because my favorite Mega Man's were three and four like they started out easy you could get through the robot masters and then when you got to like the Wily or the retreads of the bosses it got much harder like I like progression in a Mega Man game to start at 10 is a little too much for me as far as difficulty yeah, I beat one through six in a personal challenge on my uh-huh. 3DS. And they definitely get, they go from being super hard to easier. Like Mega Man 6 yeah. is actually kind of easy. And it's it's a little, because the Mega Buster comes in and you yeah. get three, oh my God, pardon me. I just totally burped. Uh, you get right. three um, pellets instead of one Yeah, for a shot. And that, that made it easy. So I don't know if, I think Mega Man 9 does not have it, right? Mega Man no, 7 doesn't, doesn't have the Mega Buster, if I'm not mistaken. No, yeah. I took it out once Mega Man X came out. Yep, because so. they wanted that to kind of be Mega Man X's thing. I mean, you know, Mega Man X was one of the earliest games I remember ever playing beyond, like, Nintendo. Right. Like, I remember my friend got it for Super Nintendo, and we were so stoked. And I was like, is this the future of Mega Man? And, you know, it was just, it was, I'm excited to see a franchise that I grew up with take its next step. Sort of like Sonic Mania for for, for Sonic, which finally there was a good sonic game again because unfortunately although i haven't played it yet sonic forces is not getting rave reviews yeah um, uh not all uh, <laughs> but <laughs> but at the same time i've, I've been watching game grumps playthrough of it it's definitely not for us i think that sonic game is for the diehard sonic fan who writes yeah. sonic fan fiction and now they get a <laughs> chance to make their character as close to the character as they can so you're so. saying Ralph then, essentially? Yeah, I think Ralph would play Sonic Forces. <laughs> I think so too. Shout out to Ralph. Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, I think it's. I think ultimately, it's interesting to see these franchises from when we were growing up come back and try and reinvent themselves. And some are successful, and some are not. Like the newer 3D Castlevanias, um, I thought were okay, but you know they can't compare to the old ones. I scoffed at Metroid Prime, but now I kind of want to play it because I've tried other shooters that I really like and I want to go back to it and see if I enjoy it. I'm praying that before Metroid Prime, the new Metroid Prime comes out that they do like a tr- trilogy collection for the Switch. Cause that yeah, would be that, I mean, they need to make me play that game again. Uh, there's, right. there's a scanning achievement set in that game that, in Metroid Prime that is, where I screwed up because you can scan every en- enemy and get something for it. You get, you get like a scanning percentage bonus, but there's only one of a certain type of enemy. I think they're called the Ice Gackle Bat. Uh-huh. I remember this because I murdered the hell out of it before I realized that I didn't scan it. <laughs> oh, no. And then uh, Andrew laughed at me a lot, which he should well, have. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, he should. So, listeners, for all that don't know, and this will be our last anecdote before we wrap up, um, Dan committed one of the most ultimate faux oh, pas no. when Final <laughs> Fantasy VII first came out. Oh, yeah. I'm going to put that out on the internet. Fine. Um, Andrew it. had Andrew had not gotten past the part where oh spoiler alert for this twenty year old game, um, Aerith dies and he had, hadn't gotten to that part yet and um, you're, he you know the conversation's going and Dan's like oh did you get up to the part where Aerith dies yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I mentioned this on my podcast too so now it's now whoever hasn't heard it 
will have heard it more <laughs> um you know but it's it's it, it actually is funny to me now because that was back in the day where there was really an internet to f- be spoiled on whereas now like you have to bob and weave to not get spoiled on certain things yeah you definitely had to have a good best friend who, who <laughs> would just sit you down and tell you exactly what you didn't want to hear at the worst moment yeah and no, that, totally. that, i was that friend for one person one time <laughs> Yeah, and he threatened to do it to, back to you. And he I don't still tell no, no, he hasn't done whatever he's gonna do yet. He told me he's like, I don't know when, I don't know how, but I will get you back for this. Yeah, he's gonna spoil you on something that's gonna crush you. I mean, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he'll just hold that over your head forever. He will. Uh, <laughs> well, Dan, thank you for coming on the show. It's Thanks been a pleasure chatting me. with you. Um, where can people find you on the internet? All of you and the stuff that you work on. If you want. To find me on Twitter, go to at Dan O'Mac, D-A-N-O-M-A-K. That's one place to find me. From there, you will see that I have links to Hit Buttons, which is at hitbuttons.fun. That will take you right to my YouTube channel. If you want to go to Dinosaur Machines, you can use, I guess, iTunes and search for Dinosaur Machines. We're the kind of only one there. There's something else there that isn't a podcast. But we're there, so... Dinosaur Machines on iTunes, hit buttons on YouTube, and Daniel Mac on Twitter. Oh, and nerdpundit.com. If you and want, nerdpundit.com. If you want to see a possible new blog post soon. Soon-ish. Um, no, yeah, it's been a blast having you on. Like cool. I've known you for a long time. And like whenever I think about video games, you're one of the first people I think of because we played so much video games growing up. Um, and so it's cool to see you doing all of this stuff on the internet. I am a fan of both Dinosaur Machines and Hit Buttons, um, and I'm excited to continue to see it grow. I hope that at some point you do some semblance of collaboration and outreach on either of those shows so I can be a guest because yeah. I love that. I, I, I'm considering how to make it work. I'm very stingy. Yeah about collaboration <laughs> if you haven't but i like i like to do it i just have to do it in a way that i'm like it makes sense to me so once that clicks i'll let yeah. you know <laughs> no i totally get that yeah. with fun and games the same way like me and jeff want to have guests but also like we like our discussions and yeah. throwing in a third would would change it up but right. uh but I look forward to seeing all of the stuff that you're doing, Dan. Thanks for being on the show. And I have one more request. We have a saying on this and the other podcast, even though we didn't talk about much music this time, but it was hard with s- someone who's so into gaming to not right. talk about gaming. But um, we have a saying. It's called music is life and life is good. Can you do our sign off for us to end the episode? I can. Do you mind if I do it in a funny voice? I don't mind at okay, all. Hold on. Music is life and life is good. If you enjoyed these interviews, please subscribe to this and the Crash Chords podcast on iTunes, where you can also rate us and review us. You can also like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Crash Chords Web, our Tumblr, and our YouTube channel. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to post in the comment area below each post. And keep the discussion going, because remember, music is life, and life is good.